0: Alright everyone, welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike the Cranky Fan. We have a solid episode for you today. We saved the best one for everyone's favorite. It's episode 420, and the Giants defeated the Eagles 27-10 at home to close out the season to screw a little bit with Philadelphia's playoff picture. Um, there's there's a ton to go over in this episode So hang with me for just a minute We're going to go over the game first We're going to get that out of the way Huge, huge news on the coaching front As the season has come to an end There's been some coaching moves Obviously that's the biggest point We're going to spend a lot of time on that And then we're going to do a quick little year in the review So if you are just only interested in one of that, This is one of the only episodes I'm going to do chapters for in YouTube So go ahead and skip to whatever you want If you want to be a, a dork Or you can hang out with us for the full time Cranky Finn, how are you? Yes
1: sir what a weekend. Uh, Grump, I did a little road trip this weekend to Philly and D.C. to see the Knicks in both cities win. You know, came back, got on the couch, and watched a beatdown of the Eagles. So, all in all, a pretty fantastic weekend. How are you?
0: So, so I didn't go to this one. I'm just finally getting over six, so it just, the idea, after after Saturday and the snowfall, I was just like, you know what, man? I'm Let me just be comfortable for this one. So how was it? How was the snow? Did it snow a lot? Was it a little? Was it mostly done? It didn't look like it was too much on TV, but it's hard to tell.
1: I didn't go to the – Oh, I thought you went. No, 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 no. I was down in Philly and in D.C., and I took the train back and just got on the couch when I got home.
0: Wow. Um, That's yeah, I mean, hilarious I'm because kind of, I was under the impression up until this very moment that when you texted me and said you were discussing something on the train, I thought you meant the train to the stadium the whole no, time. No, no, no,
1: no, this was on Amtrak on the way back from D.C. Um, 25-year-old Cranky fan who's like, I got to go to everything and have FOMO, would have gone to this game, but 51-year-old Cranky fan says, all right, we're not going to the playoffs. It's supposed to be shitty out. There's going to be 50,000 Eagle fans being – eagle fan that's a situation that I don't need to spend four hours of the remaining you know uh, orbits around the earth that I do have left so I decided to stay home on the couch had the fireplace going had a nice hot chocolate and uh, kick back and enjoy it
0: well, in that case, I hope everybody who did go had a good time. And but when we get into this one, for our quick little review of the Giants' first win over the Philadelphia Eagles in quite some time, I will be drinking the winter warmer from Autodidact. Been a couple weeks since I've been drinking beer on the show. Um, finally feeling better. Like I said, new year, new me. I'm, I've got a mustache situation going on right now. Not sure what that's about. Um, but yeah, um, Autodidact, great. Local brewery in New Jersey makes great beer. This is a great local show. We make a great show. Uh, crack open an auto Direct, Tell a friend about the Just Giants show. Help out little businesses such as ours and auto Direct.
1: Where can I be drinking, of course, from a very large business, a Starbucks Earl Grey Grande hot tea? So
0: uh, There you go. You go with the the major corporation and that's the, right. the low-key order.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, so Giants win twenty seven to ten. I do want to talk about this game, a because we only get seventeen games a year. B because we beat the Eagles and it felt this felt good to watch, right? Um,
1: this, this game had vibes to me like that Patriot game in Week seventeen way back when when they were undefeated, and it's like you know something. They're better than us, but we are fighting and we, we we actually give a damn. And that's been the theme of mine for the last couple of weeks with this team is that this team has not quit. And even with potentials for tanking and, you know, this team still played to win. The coaching staff played to win and it was really good to see.
0: So Philadelphia came into this game with everything to play for. They have home field advantage to play for in this game. And I I honestly think they – um. Darius Slay did not play, correct? That's correct. Um, Devontae Smith did not play. Correct. But I do think that Nick Sirianni and the Eagles thought that they were going to come in here and then by halftime be able to sit
1: everybody. I thought so too.
0: And but, but do you agree? Do you think he thought
1: that? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So I think that was the Eagles' game plan all along. Now, it happened to come because, true, but... <laughs>
1: because this wasn't a do-or-die game for them. If this would have been... Like the Buccaneers, like if we lose, we're out, I think would have been different. This is lose and OK, you're going on the road. It's a little different. You have that safety net. So I, I definitely think he felt that way.
0: We all know what ended up happening is the Giants took it to them right away. They, they had um, had them shut out in the first half. I think it was was it 17 nothing? I think at halftime. Something like that. It yeah. was either 17 nothing or 24 nothing already at halftime. It was crazy how quickly things spiraled out of control for the Eagles in this game. Um, you know, they ultimately sat pretty much everybody at halftime, uh, partially due to the fact that they were starting to lose control of the game. And also, guys were dropping like flies. A.J. Brown had a very scary looking injury. We still don't really know the extent of it, other than it's not as bad as an ACL tear. Um, Jalen Hurts. Uh, dislocated a finger on a freak play. Yeah. Um, that's no good. So, you know, it, it reached a fever pitch for the Eagles where it was just like, what are we doing in this game anymore? And was, if you ask me, they waited too long.
1: It was interesting because you and I were texting during the game, like, you were very early. Do they just pull the starters now and just move on? I'm like, well, not yet. Not at 17. Or, you know, then it was like, well, maybe now. And, oh, well, certainly now. So it was one of those. What's your sliding scale for giving up? And, uh, yeah, it it went from a they still have a shot against a bad team to, well, this is over and let's just uh, let's close ranks and, and move on.
0: I, mean, I have a sliding scale for giving up my sliding scale. You go into this game with a hypothetical question that every year at least one or two NFL teams has to deal with. And it's rust versus rest. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that that conversation comes to a fucking end the moment AJ Brown is clutching his knee. I mean, that's just me.
1: Well, rust versus rust. I mean, they're not going to. There is no bye ever involved in this, so that wouldn't really apply. Yeah,
0: well, sort of, right? I mean,
1: why they're not take, There would no be bye week No, but the bye
0: week would be not playing this week. Would be sitting your starters this week. That's what I mean. It's still rust.
1: Oh, just not playing them. Period. Oh, I I never thought that was. That, I never thought that was in the equation at all. I think they were going for it. Well, yes. They really were going but, for it.
0: But, I mean, I think ultimately if somebody gets hurt in the first quarter, you're kind of having the exact same conversation. That's really what I'm aiming at here. I mean... Okay, so there's there's two things, right? You don't want them to get rusty. You also don't want them to get hurt. That's the yeah, other part probably. of the, the sit. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. either way, it's we're talking about sitting versus playing. Uh, you have something to play for, but you don't have everything to play for. This isn't a win-and-in situation. I thought it was odd the Eagles wasted so much time once A.J. Brown got hurt. I mean, you already have a big question mark with Devontae Smith. To lose the other receiver, you could see how inept their offense was the moment A.J. Brown was out of the question.
1: Sure. Well, let me ask you something. How— how actively do you think teams are watching the scoreboard for other situations and how much you really think that plays into their decision making? I know as fans, we're constantly looking. but you know does a coach really uh, look up and say, well well Dallas is up by 17 and we're down by 17. I don't think they'd look
0: up at MetLife. I don't even know if they know where to look. <laughs> I don't know where to look. I've been going to that stadium since it opened um
1: you're, well you're, i mean you're,
0: you're, i know what, you, what you're asking i think players are more human than coaches right players have a lot of downtime every time they're on the sidelines yeah they're paying attention to the game absolutely but they are you know they're going over plays they're walking but, around but sometimes decision
1: makers you know, i mean
0: nick sirianni the, well, should be locked into the, the fucking game decisions
1: right on the field no, <laughs> the decisions for things are made by the coaches
0: um yeah i got a little bit of arthur smith going on right now um I, 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 you would think that Nick Sirianni is locked into the game from start to finish and he's not looking at a at a scoreboard. I would think that of all head coaches. Um, and those are the ones who are the decision makers. Like you said, only Jameis Winston really makes decisions on the field for everybody. Ever um, tell you
1: how much I hate his guts?
0: Oh. I'm sure I have. Pretty frequently.
1: Episodes. That's fine. Move
0: on. <laughs> um, All right. So as far as this game goes, defensively, I think that we kind of blanked them a little bit. We got pressure for the first time in Philadelphia's face that I can remember. We did struggle to contain the run quite a bit, I think, early on. That cleaned up later on. As we had a lead, it became a Um, non-issue. Coverage-wise, I think it was really more that we were confusing Jalen Hurts enough and getting more pressure than we ever really had. The flip side—and in this game, Bobby Okereke was an absolute monster, continuing his trend. Xavier McKinney had an outstanding interception— Uh, in this game that turned the tide of things. I mean, that was pretty much, once that interception happened, that whole, uh, that was pretty much game over at that point. Offensively, what I thought was interesting is that Tyrod Taylor picked apart that defense. The Eagles have not looked good in in a number of weeks now, but this was the first time, I think, well, you tell me all year? Is it all year that the offense looked this much in sync, or are we going to take just the second half of the Cardinals game?
1: I was gonna say the the cardinal the second half of the cardinal game and that's about it, very honestly.
0: Um, so so one thing I noticed Matt Parrott had to play for Evan Neal in this game and, uh you know this is Matt Parrot playing in place of Tyree Phillips really, and what's remarkable remarkable to me is that he was not great he was I don't even know if he's good in this game but it's amazing how much of a difference it makes just him getting out of his stance quickly and getting to a spot. How much that helps the offense. He, when you look at the blocking technique and shit, like his hands are all over the place. He's kind of grabbing. He whiffs a couple times, but just him getting in the way is is more than we were able to do on the right side like all year, and that afforded Tyrod enough time to just slice through a, a zone defense that was just bad at covering guys as well. But this is this is not the worst defense we faced all year by any stretch of the
1: imagination. It's not the worst defense, but it, it is clearly not the same defense that it was. You know, a month ago, two months ago. I mean, there's no pass rush anymore. And, you know, I think that makes life a little easier and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not that I don't want to give us credit, but I, I that that Eagle team is off and I don't think it's just physical off. I think no, no question on with that team is deeper than that, but no, no right, question. Uh, yeah,
0: I, I mean, like this is, I, I, we've shit on Tyron Taylor really hard all year. And I, I said straight up last week, he was awful, um, to his credit, in this game, Tyrod, as a quarterback, made smart, quick decisions. He made good throws. He's still Tyrod. He still throws his body around like he's a ragdoll. But as far as the performance... What I criticized last week was outside the... Re- like, I'm just accepting him for who he is. I'm going to just grade his performance on the field. And it was bad. This game, it was great. The guys were getting open. Wandale Robinson looked outstanding. Uh, and Tyrod and the game plan looked like they were solidly in sync, and it worked well.
1: There are two types of backup quarterbacks in this league, and I might have brought this up in a previous show. They're the ones that just are not good enough to be a starting quarterback. They just don't have the physical skills. They don't have the mental uh, capacity to – they just – they're there to be a body. And then there's the kind that could be a starter if they just had consistency. And I think Tyrod Taylor is someone who has – the physical skills and stuff that he just doesn't have it to be consistent. Like he'll have a game like he did yesterday and he'll have a game like he did the week before, where it's just, if you could put it all together, you would be a starting quarterback in this league, but he's just not consistent enough. Um, I, you know, I've been one of Tyrod Taylor's harshest critics. I mean, probably harsher than I should be for a backup quarterback, but with the, you know, the way Daniel Jones career has played out since he's been with us, the backup quarterback is a very important position on this team. And I've been very critical of Tyrod Taylor for his lack of understanding what his role on this team is. And as well as he played yesterday, I still have to give him a fart for something that he did. And it really just was one of those, well, thank God. I only have to deal with Tyrod Taylor for another two and a half quarters. That stiff arm he did, which he, you know, messed up his thumb or his hand or something is unacceptable. You are a backup quarterback. You're maybe getting another yard or two in a, in a play in a week 17. You have to be on the field. And he still doesn't understand. I felt like this game, in a bit, little bit of a bigger picture, was two guys that were auditioning for something else. Tyrod Taylor has been auditioning as long as he's been with the Giants to get a job to be a starter in this league. And looking around the league at some of these scrubs that are playing, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could be a starting quarterback in this league, on a bad team who have bad results. but and the second guy we're going to talk about in a little bit, who didn't play, but was, you know, I think we all know who I'm talking about, but I definitely felt like two guys that were auditioning for 2024 to put some tape out for around the league. And that's definitely I felt out to was today.
0: Um, one other interesting thing I thought was in the second half of the game where there's a lot less to glean from. But, I mean, this was the only time we were going to get a look at him. We got to see Eric Gray just play running back, um, which is what he was, I I assume, what he was actually drafted to do. He was retained (laughs) to be a punt returner. That was a colossal failure. As a running back, uh, this year he's had some good catches on bad throws, we've seen. And yesterday we got to see him just take a handoff and just run north and south, which is something Barkley doesn't do. Um, I've, I've made the case that that's the kind of thing Barkley needs as a compliment. He looked pretty good doing it, didn't
1: he? Yeah. I mean, somebody that, you know, I'm not, let's put it this way. I'm just not going to cut him after this year and say it was a failure. Get rid of it. I mean, next year you bring him into camp. You bring in some competition. You see if he beats him out. That's kind of how I felt about him. To me, that what I saw was enough to say, okay, throw him into the mix next year and let's, uh, you know, let's flush the toilet and see who sticks at the end.
0: Um. Otherwise, I don't really have anything else on this game for the most part other than uh, it just felt good to watch this Philly collapse.
1: I think it was very important for the psyche of this football team and for the people that will be on this team next year, the coaches and the players and the fans. Because you know something? When Every time the, the Giants are going to play the Cowboys and play the Eagles, what are they going to hear all week? They haven't beaten the Eagles since X. They haven't beaten the Cowboys since Y, and I don't care that it was Week Seventeen. I don't care if it was a strike game. I don't care what. It doesn't. You can't say that anymore, and it's over. And that's something that's, you know, this is a this is a personal grudge match between the Eagles and and Giants. We've seen what the Eagles have done in the last couple of years to personally, you know, fuck with us, and that for you know that is a uh, it's an emotional. Thing for the team to say, okay, we we don't have to worry about that anymore. Now we go back and we try to play them as division rivals. Um, I don't know if they mentioned it on the broadcast, but I and I brought it up to you last week. Is this year for all the frustration, for all of the incompetence, for all of the taking a step back, this team actually finished three and three in the division better than last year. So that is something to build on. Also, this is a very very tough division in the NFL. I mean, you have a two-seed and a five-seed. And if the Giants, you know, we're going to talk about the season review a little later, but if breaks went their way, we might have been the third team from this division to make the playoffs. So it's very important from a building into next year, and that's what this coaching staff is trying to do, you know, moving forward.
0: No, that was, I think that was actually something I texted you um, about being 3-3 three and three in the division. And I think that's important because— this was not a game in which Philly rested their starters. Remember last year they did play a game in which they rested their starters. Now also importantly we played Davis Webb, but we couldn't <laughs> win that game. We couldn't what? win the game against Cooper Rush's Cowboys last year and we did not beat we didn't sweep the Commanders. We tied them last year. We went 1-4 and 1. That is a bad division record. Going yes. 3 and 3 and all three wins were in games in which the other team was absolutely playing. Mm-hmm. That that is an improvement. It's an objective improvement, mm-hmm. and and I think that's going to go to something that we're going to talk about the year in review. But what I want to get to is is the coaching stuff right here. So I'm going to list first – I'm going to list out everybody who's been released today. And,
1: and we are recording this as of 6.15 p.m. on right. Monday just to give a little reference of where we are.
0: Correct. So this could change. I'm going to list them in the order in which we found out about them. Okay. Um, Special teams coordinator Thomas McGahey was fired finally this morning. Offensive line coach Bobby Johnson was fired shortly after, deservedly. Uh, There was a large gap of time, and then outside linebackers coach Drew Wilkins and defensive assistant Kevin Wilkins were fired. Offensive linebackers, uh, sorry, the outside linebackers were probably the worst performing unit of the defense when you look at, statistically, Aziz Ojolari, Jihad Ward, Kayvon Thibodeau. Kayvon had a great year, but... Uh, um, numbers wise, he had a great year. He had stretches where he was not very good, where he was invisible as a pass rusher. None of those guys were excellent in the run game. Um, they they had their moment. They're good. Kayvon is a good player, but, but despite that's, that, just, statistically just the they.
1: why he was fired.
0: Keep going. Drew Wilkins. Oh well, we don't know why they were fired. I sure. but I think you could you can have a football reason why Drew Wilkins was fired. You can have a football reason for everybody I've said so far. Then Wink Martindale resigned. Now this is incredibly interesting because there's a lot of things in play here. Now number one, one thing we didn't mention is that the game was Sterling Shepard's last game as a Giant. We know um, they they did they. they did everything short of having him take a snap as quarterback to give him his Rudy moment in this game, and it didn't work. Um, But similarly, Wink Martindale's play sheet had the 24, like the TV show 24, on the back of it for this game, almost as if signifying that he knew this was his last 24 hours as a coach. Right? Of course. Um, It's significant that Wink Martindale has resigned... It's also significant that when he came to this team, he brought Drew Wilkins and Kevin Wilkins as sort of a package deal. He refers to Drew Wilkins as his right-hand man. He's been his right-hand man for quite a while. Um, but the interesting thing now that's being reported as of now, six fifteen on Monday, is that the Giants have him under contract for 2024. So if Wink Martindale wants a defensive coordinator position in the NFL next year— he has to get consent from the Giants. So here's where we are right now. So how do you, do you want to start with Wink?
1: Yeah, well let's 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 overlay another layer of this. Um, there was the press conference early this morning, the eight thirty press conference a.m. where I think it was Dable was asked what is the status I think of Wink or both coordinators. I don't have it in front of me. And he said it was my assumption or expectation, expectation that yeah. both would be back next year. So that was something that people. And now remember, two things I want to tell everybody is my you know yearly and weekly reminders. One, don't believe anything you hear in a press conference. And two, if you do believe what you hear in a press conference, listen to the words they use, because I when the when the wink. Um, resignation texts and tweets started going around. I had multiple people tell me they said they weren't going to fire him, and that's not what they said. They used their words very carefully this morning. My They, they set a narrative up in Giants Nation and on the smaller subset of Giant Twitter that whatever happens is not going to be blood on my hands. It's going to be they did it. Now, I 100% believe they fired those those defensive assistants because they wanted to poke the bear to get rid of Wink. And if if they fire Wink, they have to pay him. If Wink quits, they don't. So I really think that they're they're at this tipping point where, you know, as much as we as fans wanted it to work out because we like Wink, we like the defense. We we know it was invested into this defense. I firmly believe that, you know, now knowing all the things that this was going to be over. I think Wink knew it. The 24 thing was an obvious sign it was. I think he was also auditioning and putting out tape with a very aggressive game plan in and in a high profile game to look, look how good this defense is. We just shut down the Eagles. It was just a shout-out at halftime. That's all stuff to make, you know, to build up his, you know, his status and not just for defense coordinator. I think he, it's for a head coaching job. So to me, this was, you know, you know uh, uh, the Palace intrigue and, and, and the, the battle royale, how it was being played out, where they were done with him. They wanted to instigate him enough to get rid of him. How do I get rid of him? Get my lieutenant out of there and say, that's a tipping point. Someone had a blink and it was going to be, and Wink was the one who blinked.
0: I'm not going to disagree with you. Uh, I'm going to say I don't know. I think that's a very sound theory.
1: I I don't know either. No, that's that's my guess.
0: I I think it's a sound theory. I think it's a leading theory um, among people. Um, My only issue with it is that. So, here's another theory that I'm just going to throw out there, and I'm not saying I I I agree with this theory. It's my own, but it's just something I'm just thinking. These two guys. This story broke from Jay Glazer like a month and a half ago. Like this is this is not news. I'm sure the story broke with Jay Glazer about a month and a half after it was started or reached a fever pit. You know what I mean? Like I, this is long standing at this point, and this has been a disastrous year right from week one. Okay, um, is it possible that this whole altercation took place because Wink Martindale says to Brian Dable? Your guy that you brought in, that you didn't interview, you didn't find somebody else, you brought your favorite guy to be offensive line coach, is a fucking disaster and it's ruined our season. And Brian Dable turns and says, your guy that you brought in, Drew Wilkins, is an awful outside linebackers coach and it's ruining our defense. And I wonder if, if at some point there's a contention over are we sticking with these guys or not. And Brian Dable said, you know what? I'm letting them both go. They're all going. My guy, my friend is going, your friend is going. We're going to fix this together. It's a concession. I've 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 done my part. I fired my friend. I'm firing your friend too. You can do with that what you will. I mean, it's is it possible because there is a football reason to get rid of everybody that they, that was fired today. The guy who resigned, there is no football reason to get rid of him. Right?
1: Well, I would say if they had equal footing and had equal decision-making and equal power, maybe. But on the org chart, Brian Dable is the head coach.
0: That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying no, a- as an olive no. branch to, re- to, um, to make the peace. That's what I'm saying. Like, you have a problem with my friend. I have a problem with your friend. Maybe we both – you know what? I'll fire my friend and I'm going to fire your friend too because he's a bad coach. This should resolve our tension, but it didn't. Is that possible at all?
1: Um, it's possible, but I think unlikely. I mean, we – our season went downhill not because we had bad outside linebacker play. We, we did – this season went downhill because we had critical injuries at critical positions on the offensive side of the ball, and that led to a snowball, and we were done. So I – you know, the offensive line for the – the offensive line guy getting fired – Look, we've all been complaining for weeks. We didn't see Evan Neal, zero development. John Michael Smith's regrets during the season. The other guys we had in there are, are just were rearranging deck tears on, on the Titanic. Andrew Thomas was out for a significant amount of time and probably hasn't been healthy ever since. But we, you know, I, I don't, I, I could see where you're coming from from that. But at the end of the day, Brian Dable's the head coach and he gets to make the decisions. It's on all the coaching staff things i mean he could he should be working with his coordinators to make those evaluations and make the they should be a kind of a you know this is the way i'm going so you know give me supporting evidence or contrarian evidence to have it but at the end of the day it is his call i think knowing how close he is with him i think and and, and the timing of it i mean if he would have done it in the morning when the other guys were fired that tells me that something happened in those couple of hours where there was negotiations, communications, whatever. It might have been between Dable and and Wink directly. It might have been agent-to-agent agent talking. Who knows? But s- that gap in time says something was trying to be worked out, and ultimatums were spread, and Dable, being the head coach, said, all right, I'm exercising my right. I'm getting rid of your guy. And Wink said, that's it. I'm out done that's the last draw but i think also wink has been around this game long enough now if two schmucks having a podcast will say the first thing the reason why this this season went south was was injuries duh him to go say your offense killed my defense this year and not and not be self-aware to say well that's why your offense killed them that tells me that he was looking for reason to get out anyway
0: So here's a couple things I'm going to say. Yeah. And and, uh, I'll preface this by saying I don't want him to go. Um, Agreed. So we'll start there. Uh, We'll start with the 24 thing is is petty and childish. I don't like it. Um, For for a guy who says the players deserve me to be focused and in control of things on the sideline and shouldn't be yelling at them, um, Wink Martindale has spoken to the press out of turn. And he's done this stupid 24th. It's it's very it's very look at me. It's very distraction-oriented. And I honestly, if I had to flip a coin, if you had to tell me would I rather a coach that loses his mind but keeps his on the sideline but keeps his composure with staying out of headlines, I would say yes. I would rather that than the other way around. Okay? So I'm just going to – I'm not a player, so what I, what I want doesn't really matter. But I'm just going to throw that out there. I have to think a head coach would want that as well. Um, the other thing I'm going to say is that – Wink Martindale also resigned in Baltimore. The same the same resignation bullshit issue is what happened in Baltimore as well. Before that, he was at like Western Kentucky or some shit. He has not really been in the NFL for like a huge amount of time, like some of these other coaches. Uh, I think he was like with Denver maybe for a little bit, briefly. But he was like a linebackers coach before he was a DC for like four years with Baltimore before. Which by the way, Baltimore was pretty good for all four of those years. Um, They had a good defense, and he resigned. Um, Mm -hmm. In the year he resigned, the defense itself had sustained a shitload of injuries. Um, But whatever. I'm just saying, like, this isn't a guy who seems to wait out his contract. You know what I mean? Like, he quits when it's time. And I don't know if he thought that he was going to get— I know he interviewed for a head coaching job before he resigned, Um, and then—
1: But how long has he been at Baltimore? Four years?
0: He was four years as DC. Before that, he was just a linebackers coach.
1: Okay, so, I mean, four years is different than two years. I mean, that's at least, this seems a little more, you know.
0: But Baltimore was good for all four years. That's true. It's it's very easy to get along with people you don't like when you're winning.
1: Yeah, but again, I don't want to trample on our little season review thing, but again, I have a massive asterisk for this season. We are not in the playoffs, and we didn't have a bad record because we are not a good football team. We were the victim of circumstance that caused us to become a bad football team. And if he's using the excuse of, you know, we're a bad football team or, you know, I don't like the direction of this team is going, you know, dealing with having to play Tommy DeVito for five games and having to have uh, Justin Pugh come out of retirement off the couch for it. There's something bigger than just the, the state of the New York Giants on January 8th, 2024.
0: I think it's really more about him being the kind of person that likes – this is going to sound more negative than I mean it. But there are just these types of people that are just – function better when they're in control of everything. Do you know what I mean? Like I think, I think he wants to be a head coach because personality-wise, I think that that's what he probably is best at. Just yes. being in control of everything and letting things run. I don't think that he is as good just under somebody else's thumb. I, I and think And we're that, not
1: talking just being good, meaning being a coach coordinator, no 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 talking no. about relationships. Right. You know, Relate,
0: personality issues, you know, and, and just not being in control of what he wants to be in control frustrates him, I think. And I no, think the, that the, when you're winning, you can get over that. When you're losing, you start to lose your temper.
1: You know the thing with the 24. It just reminded me of the Seinfeld episode when George Costanza had to get fired from the Yankees. He couldn't quit. He had to be fired. So, he, he, you know, he tied the uh, the World Series trophy to his car and drove around the locker room. He, you know, was wearing Babe Ruth's jersey and, and got food all over it. He was yelling at Steinbrenner. That's kind of what I felt like. What Wink was doing with the 24 thing was just, fi- I'm, I'm challenging you. I am. Well, it's that, and he
0: he refused to shut up at the podium. Like you know what I mean? Like you have to know the first time that he spoke, and they had to do a whole damage control. That there was a sit down where it's like, bro, you gotta not do that. Like you gotta keep everything in between, and that never stopped. And I know that the beat asked him. So like, I'm not entirely on anybody else's side
1: here, but NFL coach, is it mandated that coordinators have media times? I know in college, like the coordinators speak in the spring. And then they speak after the last game. They don't talk during the week ever to the media. Is that – do they have to – because, you know, Dable could always just slap a gag order and say, there are no press conferences with my coordinators. They, you know, they well, don't talk.
0: So here's the thing. I don't know if it's mandated, but I do think that you have to come out with – um, or that they do come out with, like, schedules at the beginning of the year. And I do think that it That's probably – But That's I fine. I think it does more harm than good to – make it like mysterious when you're like well suddenly Wank Martindale said something stupid and now no one's allowed to talk to the media that i think would make it worse because i mean the way rbx they ask the same fucking questions every week hoping to get somebody to slip
1: right so, go so, talk. so well
0: but but i mean if you don't if you don't have them talk at all then they're just going to write articles speculating and they're going to rip a, they're going to take every little thing from the sidelines and the i don't think i think it does more harm than good i i see what you're saying but i think once it's set to pull it back, the way the media reacts to things, the way fans react to things, I think that that does more harm than good. I think that that would have been a... Not that it was good, right? Like, the moment that Jay Glazer report came out, we've been having the same fucking conversation every week. Well,
1: let's, let's look at this in a little different way. Let's think about this from the Brian Dable side of this. Um, what does this mean? What does this signal to you about Brian Dable? Because this tells me that he's the most powerful person right now in this organization. Like that's a major thing to get rid of a coordinator who's pretty successful and is pretty liked by his, he is not fired for, well, he didn't quit. However, want, however nuanced it happened, he is not, not, he's not not here anymore because of performance on the field. And that's right. a lot for a, a coach, a second year coach, to have that kind of control over and get the approval from Joe Shane, to get the approval, uh, you know, from Mara.
0: You think So, so, though, after after what Wink did? I mean, John Mara does not like being a headline and Wink kind of refused to let the headline die. I do think that it was a little bit easier to convince Mara that, like, look, maybe we can make this work for another year. But I have no control over this man, and I will never be able to get him to not say things that we don't want him to say.
1: I think this is because we are in the weeds with this, that it's a bigger deal than it is to the average giant fan. I don't think the average giant fan cares or – it's kind of like politics. It's like you know, something we're – do we need to talk about the nuance of everything that Trump or Biden or anybody says every single day – in June of 2023, or is it okay on game day or election time? Who am I voting for? Type of thing. I think a lot of fans. This isn't this isn't back page everyday drama that even something like Buddy Ryan versus Mike Ditka was. I I just I I think it's something where when we're in the weeds, we care more about it. And I don't think I don't think it got to a level where Mara was like. Hey, you got to get rid of him. I think it's just, you know, um, it's a it's a big move, and I, I think that getting the the stamp of approval, do what you have to do. I think it signals a lot for, you know, Dable's status and his. If you if anybody, let's put it this way, if anybody thinks that that he might have been on any sort of hot seat because the Giants regressed, you know, looking at it without having any context or anything else, that notion has been dispelled.
0: So here, here's what I will say, though. I, I agree. It, it didn't reach the Joe Judge 17-minute press conference answer level of um, embarrassment. But Jay Glazer doing a national report on Fox right before kickoff is a big deal. And it's not a report that they don't get – it's, it's a report that like internal relationships within the building are now external. And I do think that that is a big deal to John Mara. Um, mm-hmm. Not so big that he had to intervene, but I. what I'm saying is I think it's a little bit easier for, for Brian Dabo and Joe Shane to come to him and be like, look, man, we sat and talked to him and told him he couldn't do this. Pat Hanlon talked to him, and he's still doing it. Like, I have no control over this man. I I, I think I, I got to have some control over him, whatever. Yeah, I, I just think that that conversation is slightly easier because of what Wink opened up. Um, and... I- and I'm not saying that Wink is at fault for whatever the rift is between them because we don't know what it is. But I am saying he didn't keep it out of the press at all. And that was on him. Him and his players. It was like him and, and Xavier McKinney. You remember that? There was that random guy on the internet that said that he had sources within the building saying that they think Dable's a clown and stuff like that. I think that guy has like one source and it's like Xavier McKinney or something. But... Mm-hmm. but you know, that kind of shit getting out is exactly the kind of thing that, that John Mayer doesn't like. If he's if he loses, he loses. You know if That's fair. That's it, fair. It, you know what I mean? That is very negative pre- – that's very Jets. It's very Jets. <laughs> um, as it's – I mean, do you think this thing with the contract means anything? Do you think Justina Anderson's NFC East shakeup tweet that she uh, vaguely threw out there a couple of weeks ago? I know people are saying that Nick Sirianni might go. Um, do you think there's any what, chance that the Eagles hire him as a head coach to avoid the defensive coordinator contract situation thing?
1: So wait a minute. So you're thinking
0: that? I'm, one, so wait, wait, wait. Let's let's. One I, year I,
1: removed from a Super Bowl appearance, they're going to fire the head coach and bring in. The I'm United not. Defensive I, coordinator.
0: That's not my speculation. That's okay. other people. I didn't. I'm not the one saying that. That's a lot of other people saying that they think that Sirianni maybe. You know, I think that. The theory is that Steichen and Gannon had more to do with their success than Sirianni last year. And when they went – I don't know, man. This I don't pay attention to Eagles shit, but that's yes. what other people are saying. Other, other people within who follow the Eagles on a day-to-day basis are saying Sirianni, there is some mutterings that he could be let go. And I, I think that's ridiculous personally, um, but – if the Eagles are going to cuck us for Wink Martindale, that's the only way to do it because they cannot sign him as a defensive coordinator. That being so another, said so in other
1: words in other words the Mets went to George Cassandra and said make sure you get yourself fired so you can become the head department of uh- Scouting for the Mets. What, that's a, that's
0: a wait a minute, just just a moment. Howie Roseman did something very, very shady with Arizona to get a draft pick. Something that's never been done in NFL history, uh, where, yeah. where a a resolution was done on the side without NFL punishment. They so, so hand shook minute. on a draft pick selection, which is shit, by okay, the way. So
1: let's, but let's let's play this out then. So this scheme had to have been hatched two months ago. So we're saying after. 10 weeks when, at the time, the Eagles were what, 8-2? To 8-2 coming off a Super Bowl, you know something? I don't think this coach has got it. Let me see if I can hatch a scheme where the defensive coordinator from the team that we've been trolling for five years, we can get him to act like an asshole enough so he would be fired or quit so then we would come back, regardless of what happens the rest of this season, and bring him in as our head coach. That's... I don't I know. I'm not buying this
0: one. Would it be the worst thing in the world for them to fire everybody, hire Frank Reich and Wink Martindale? Frank Reich runs the offense, Wink Martindale is the head coach and runs the defense. I mean, really think about it. They, sh- they clearly offensively are not the same team as they were last year. I think that's the bigger loss, is losing Steichen is more important than losing Gannon. But something definitely happened to that defense, and it wasn't great last year either. I said the same thing last year. If it weren't for their pass rush, that secondary would be exposed. The James Bradbury Pro Bowl selection is horseshit, and Darius Slay has lost it. You saw what happened this year. The same two corners came back. And that pass rush lost it down the stretch, that secondary was exposed very, very, very badly.
1: But that's the question of talent more than it is of I mean. So so
0: right? he, here's my thing. Here's what I'm saying. Josina Anderson said that something unexpected was gonna happen in the NFC East. Ron Rivera was fired. That was expected. expected. Mm-hmm. Wink Martindale resigned. Jay Glazer reported that shit way back in like October. It, it, it,
1: yeah.
0: That's not unexpected. So right. what's the unexpected move? Is Dan Quinn getting
1: fired if they don't make it past the second round? And I said this two months. Ago. I mean, uh, that's the that's more unexpected. that
0: that is the more obvious thing in my yes. opinion. That's what I would have thought. Like I said, unexpected. other
1: unexpected.
0: other people are saying the Sirianni thing. That is not my theory. I wouldn't fire him at this point. I think that's silly. He clearly is a motivator for that team, even if he is a, dull, a dullard, which I don't think he is. If he is a dullard, X's and O's wise, he's at least a motivator for this team. He uh, is, know. and at, a good evaluator a of cow coaches.
1: Team.
0: I agree. I agree. I think that's nuts. So, Wink Martindale doesn't go to the NFC East then. In your opinion, guessing today, Monday, six thirty.
1: Whatever I think, he goes wherever he gets his best. Uh... You mean for a head coach?
0: So, like I said, he can't be a defensive coordinator without the Giants' blessing, which means he will not be a defensive coordinator in the NFC East.
1: Yeah, but blessing always has a price.
0: In the they NFC fourth, East? I cannot imagine it. I can't. If a
1: fourth-round pick, they'll take it.
0: Are you, to to who? Philly? No way. I
1: don't know. I mean—
0: Well, who's the other—Dan no, like, Quinn is Christ. only leaving—well, okay, here's the other thing. Instead of Mike McCarthy leaving, the other thing I thought of is, does Dan Quinn already have something, like, shady locked in? Is Dan Quinn the head the coach of Washington?
1: With the Cowboys? No.
0: I, th- I honestly think that Dan Quinn already has a head coaching job locked up somewhere.
1: But is that is that like a surprise though? Like unexpected? I mean, it's unexpected enough. Job. Um, we even argued it and I was like, really? And you like, Actually, nuts.
0: you know what? I'm going to say no on that only because Justina Anderson reported it, which would mean that it would be tampering.
1: On a scale of 1 to 10, where do we have Justina Anderson in the – if Glazer's at 10 – and Wesley Steinberg's a zero. Where does she rank in this?
0: So I'm gonna remove myself from this voting because I don't really follow her. I know she is a very polarizing media figure. So rather than contribute to that without following her, I'm okay. not gonna. I'm just gonna abstain. You can answer that though. From what I what I, I, I can know. tell you is to, that that, that's that, that's, that better, putting rather a rather vague tweet. Than, yeah. Putting, putting a – I'll say this. Putting a vague tweet that something unexpected is going to happen and not reporting it is stupid and then she's tweeted something else today that was also like vague and stupid. Like that to me is just not being a journalist. It's being like a teaser and it's annoying but I don't know that she's bad at her job or
1: anything like that. I just remember one of our – the other podcasts that we associate with, I remember just kind of clowning on her for something last year. I don't remember what it was. I just remember, oh, she said that like – Okay. So, I don't know. Um, so, okay. That's one of those things you can throw out there that you can come back and, you know, say anything happened and it's like, "Well, you see?" Exactly. Like, you know, that's why I think it's stupid. In it,
0: yeah, exactly. And if and if if it the news is Wink Martindale, she can pretend like that was unexpected, but it wasn't. Yeah, Anybody who was actually paying attention. Anybody
1: has the sun coming up tomorrow.
0: Yeah. So, so where do you stand on Let's, so we named five coaches that are no longer with the team. Is there anything that you? I mean, w- let's go from the top. Thomas McGahee, Any concerns? Thank God. Yeah. Okay. Same. We've never had. We've never been at advantage special teams while he's been no. here ever. Even when we had a Pro Bowl kicker, like the e- best thing we have a Pro Bowl kicker, and we're never a special Gunner teams advantage. Returning
1: punts last couple weeks, and you know he. Had, that was almost all individual effort. Yes, that wasn't because of coaching. That was because all of a sudden we got this guy who had that one fantastic run against um, uh, uh, the Rams last week. And, you know, has makes something out of nothing. That tells me that's a player. That's not a scheme. That's not a philosophy.
0: Bobby Johnson being fired. Any thoughts? Thank God. Same. Drew Wilkins and Kevin Wilkins. I'm going to say this. I- I'm going to say this. there is a football reason to get let go of them they did not do anything where i was like who's the outside linebacker's coach like i can tell you that jerome henderson is the secondary coach i can tell you that andre patterson's the defensive line coach i would have had to look up the outside linebacker's coach saying that
1: i need somebody smarter than me to tell me as a position coach you are not doing your job like offensive line coach is a a unit a bigger unit you know and you could see but something like the the outside linebacker coach i need someone smarter than me to say these guys are just not being put in the best position to be successful themselves. So I'm going to abstain from that one.
0: OK, that's fair. Um, and then Wink Martindale, uh, what are your thoughts and feelings?
1: Well, officially I'm going to say to be determined. I want to see who we replace them with. Um, but I – for all of the shenanigans that Wink might have did – I need to find out from the other side of what Dable did is Dable an innocent bystander on this. And it's like, this guy is just bad to work with, or is Dable an asshole? And, you know, is this a mutual thing? Um, We, all I do know is I think this, uh, this defense could be very successful. I think we've done a lot of drafting and getting players that fits his specific defense and if we go in a completely different direction on defense, that just makes the rebuild a lot longer and a lot more rebuildable than it is now. So I'll be very curious on who the replacement is before I have a final grade on, you know the decision to do it because if it's just a question that we hate each other, you gotta get over it. unless he's doing things that are like, subversive in the locker room, subversive in the coaches' room, subversive, subversive on the field during a game. All that other stuff to me just has to get to be men and just work together and figure it out. Everybody works with people they don't like. You got to work it out.
0: So, so. I I, is, I think that's phrased brilliantly. Um, so let, let me – my thoughts and feelings on Wink, and Mar- Wink Martindale leaving. Um, I'm a defense first guy. You sit next to me every week. Mm-hmm. And I am very loud when we're on defense.
1: Which, which is why we are a great compliment because I'm an offensive first guy.
0: I mean, I, don't get me wrong. Logistically, uh, I, in today's NFL, having a solid offense is the way to win. But just me personally, enjoyment, I love having a defense that just swallows up teams. It, it just it sucks the hope out of a game. when When you can't move the ball, trust me, as a Giants fan, I know this. When you can't move the ball, it's hopeless. It's
1: the DNA of the Giants. Their history, their True. fan base. They love being portraying themselves as the lunch pail. You know, stop them on third and two. You know, Lawrence. You know, seeing the old videos of Lawrence Taylor and Carl Banks and Leonard Marshall and George
0: you know, Martin and all those guys.
1: Exactly, yeah. those that same footage we've seen every week for the last thirty-five years. That's who Giant fans.
0: Identify them, but I love that shit. I love that shit. I was a Jim Johnson guy. I was a Steve Spagnuolo guy. I am a Wink Martindale guy. I love defenses bringing it to the offense, and I think in today's NFL, the way that the rule changes have catered to the offense and really made it hard on defenses, the only way to survive without an all-star roster that puts up 40 plus points a game is to bring it to an offense if you sit back in defense and let a quarterback play quarterback he will pick you apart and i think so i am all for this style of defense and i know that this is a contentious point between you and me because you've had some rough coordinators in florida that did similar things but college is a little different um, one athlete can change it, the game. It's
1: just a talent gap between offense and defense in college. That yeah, exactly. It can be very successful, but you can really be massacred if there's, you know.
0: If you have a, the a good quarterback, does, yeah. Much in the pros, so. Exactly. Uh, so I love this style of attacking defense. I love confusing. I like exotic blitzes. I like blitzing. when, When all bets are off, I want to lose... Bringing the house. I don't want to lose playing prevent defense ever, ever.
1: Well, here's another. Th- here's an important point. The modern NFL. We talk about the modern NFL. You are probably playing either a backup or a rookie two out of three weeks. A sure. Year. You know the days of oh, this week is Montana, next week is Elway, then we have Phil Sims, then we have you know whoever. Those days are done. Now it's I'm playing. The number one pick in the draft, followed by this guy backup because this guy's out for the year, followed by you know maybe a good one. So that confusion and that is an important part of a defense now because, quite frankly, we don't have these Tom Brady geniuses playing every week. We have inexperienced guys. We have young guys. We have guys just aren't as good playing.
0: And and aside from that even, I think that just in general, the consensus has realized that there are only – like three Tom Brady's in the league at any given time that really are quarterbacks that can figure things out on the fly. So a lot of offensive scheming is scheming around defensive weaknesses and around quarterback weakness, your own quarterback's weakness. So once you have to worry entirely about what a defense is going to do instead of what you want to do as an offense, you're at a disadvantage just by being who you are. So I love this kind of defense. I love Wink Martindale, what he brings. But at the same time, I'm looking at this. Brian Dable might have relationship issues that have followed him throughout the years. But he's never quit. I've never seen him resign. Wink Martindale is the only coach to resign from Brian Dable's whatever his antics are. Jeff Fisher, or or, Jeff Nixon, is that his name? The, the, The running back's coach. He went to Syracuse as an offensive coordinator. And the strength and conditioning coach left to go to Florida. Right now, everybody's been fired except Wink Martindale, who has now quit a second time in his career. Okay, so I'm gonna say that if I, I'm not saying that Brian Dable is a saint, I'm not even saying he's fucking right. He could be totally ass wrong. What I'm saying is that one guy has a track record of quitting when he doesn't get along with guys or when things get fucked up. The other guy doesn't. That's all I'm gonna say. I have a big problem with people who quit. He's got another year in his contract. He's very respected around the league. He could have another really good year next year with this organization and get a head coaching job somewhere else. He chose not to do that. And I understand that Brian Dable might make it hard for him. I understand that Brian Dable might be an asshole. He might MF every single person in that room. But at the same time, only one man quit. Only one man quit. I I agree with that, but I also
1: feel like today was a provoking to get you to quit where there, today know. is today,
0: it's, but this this ha- there a first of all, yesterday he showed up with a twenty four thing on his play sheet. That's what I'm saying. He was out. He was out. He, I, I, Drew was Wilkins is whatever. He
1: was asking for it. But I think today was the you're gonna get it type of thing. So fine, but are they but if you, to this.
0: no, and I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that first of all, if you're asking for it almost publicly for cameras without having to say anything, if you're asking for it that loudly that like people who are viewing the game know what's going on. Then you're kind of being a petty dick. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I, I'm just – like I'm saying, like if this were the only time Winks ever quit, I'd be a lot more concerned about what we have going on as a coach. But what I'm saying is after this disaster year, only one guy quit. He gave up and I think that's kind of shitty. It's, it's super unprofessional. I think the 24 thing was unprofessional. I don't give a fuck how – so, sorry, I know I got to control that. But like, I don't care how professional you act on the sideline where you're not yelling at players. I would rather you yell at players and not do stupid shit like have a 24 thing on the back of your play sheet cuz you know you only that got 20. That was asking for it. And yeah, this that, is a grown man in his 60s. The this isn't the back of your car. This isn't a 23-year-old player that we drag for this kind of thing also. Where they say, we got to be more professional. The cameras are on you. I know you're just a kid, but you got to do This is a 60-year-old man. Come on, dude. You know what I mean? So let me
1: ask you, so Let me ask you something. So then again, I'm going back to that time gap between the first batch of coaches being fired, and then the second batch and the resignation. Do you think that you know? I mean, to me, if they knew this was going to be a divorce, like the the Harbaugh in San Francisco, where you know, the the clock struck zero, and then within five minutes there was a press release saying Harbaugh was gone. Do you think there was actually like a last ditch attempt to make this work, or do you think that it was just you know, I, I, what I personally think happened was I think when Dable said it's my expectation he'll be back, he regretted that as soon as the words flew out of his mouth. And you can't all of a sudden, you know, make the uh, the Saturday Night Massacre moves like he did that quickly because you look really bad. Now I get it; it's only seven hours. It's not like it was two weeks later, so it still comes off bad, but not as bad as it did. Would have. With the initial batch, I just think it. No, makes, I just, I actually it disagree. Makes it makes like the Jets, like well, you referenced before.
0: I I agree with that, but I I disagree that. I I I don't think he regretted saying that at all. I think those were calculated responses. I think they were anticipated questions obviously. I think they were calculated responses and I think he used Wink's words against him. I think Bobby Skinner did like a really quick immediate breakdown where he used all of Wink's words against him about wanting continuity, wanting to keep things together, being respected, all that stuff. He... And he... He put the onus on Wink to stay. He wasn't going to be fired and I expect him to be back. It was on Wink then to make a decision. Are you going to stay under contract or are you going to quit? Because I'm in control and I want this guy gone because he hasn't done a good job. Neither has my friend. And so while while I do think that it is definitely 50% chance, I, I feel 50% chance it's poking the bear that they fired him to poke the bear, I don't see what that accomplishes. I, I mean, Either I don't. I think
1: what it does. It gets him. It gets him to quit without having to fire him. That's what it does. But That's why do I'm you happy. want that?
0: Why does Brian Dable give a shit about John May's bank account? He doesn't. It does, doesn't. Kind of got the cap. I don't think he cares about John May's bank account. Why would he care about that?
1: Well, maybe that was the direction from above. Then
0: I, I honestly think it was really just like the ball is in your court. Wink. Are you here or not? Publi- because this is the same thing they did to Saquon Barkley. They snuck out a report. And Barkley had to play defense. He had to go on things and say like – "I, I," and by that point, the fans were already against Saquon Barkley and he was kind of stuck taking the franchise tag. And I'm not saying it's a shady deal. I'm saying it's a calculated one. It's a business. You know what I mean? And with the Wink situation, it's not even about performance. It's about you being a dick. You're not listening to me. You're making things harder for me. And now I have to answer stupid questions every single week because you couldn't keep your mouth shut. So just fire him? Because I do think that they... He hired him for a reason. He They had no previous relationship. He is a very that, good defensive fine. coordinator. And I think Brian Dable can deal with the fact that he doesn't get along with the subservient. He doesn't have to get along with his subservience. You know what I mean? I think Wink can't deal with his not getting along with his own boss. That's that's how... I, I'm not set in any find, of this. I just, I, it's I definitely it hard, possible.
1: It's, it's certainly possible. I just find it hard to believe that in, it, what I think happened was I think there was meetings this morning, and I think – I find it hard to believe that there was some sort of detente that was made between the two. And then three hours later, they decide to fire the his lieutenant, his trusted guy, and he said, oh, all bets are off. I'm out.
0: Wait, who said there was a detente, though? I didn't say that. I didn't even I imply it. I, that's my – that's my that's – my, Oh, OK. My
1: yeah, no. Because, again, if there wasn't – that time gap between those first coaches getting whacked at you know nine o'clock this morning and then the, and then the, the other two getting smoked at was it two o'clock three o'clock, that that tells that makes me infer that something happened in, during that time period. Because otherwise, why not just say this is the staff changes as of right now? It's this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy.
0: Well, I think because you could make the argument that Bobby Johnson, and Thomas McGahee's decisions were made months ago, and that Drew Wilkins and Kevin Wilkins was something that happened at the end of the year. They weren't—Drew Wilkins was not egregiously bad as an uh, outside linebackers coach, but Bobby Johnson and Thomas McGahee were egregiously bad. People were calling for their heads in September.
1: Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. But then again, if that's the case, if it's not egregiously, we have to think about it. We're making that analysis in five hours on the day after the last game of the year. It that could, to me sounds like something like, no, "Okay, no, no, let's no, let's do our exit interviews." Well, 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 yeah, it, it, our, hang on, hang
0: on. You have an exit interview. It could depend on their answers.
1: Do you think? But you think all those exit interviews were done with, but the coaching? Remember, they do it for in five
0: hours. Teams. Yes, it, with the coaches. Yes, I think they could have done the. Okay, so
1: you have, you, have to, you have to gather all this information from, you know, the fifty-three guys on the team. The, all the coaches and all that stuff and then take that information and then make informed decisions that quickly I don't, I don't think so
0: No. I, I, first of all they're not going to do any of the firings on Tuesday so they're going to make their decisions on coaching staff on Monday no matter what Some of them could have been made before Monday, like Bobby Johnson and Thomas McGahey. Drew Wilkins and Kevin Wilkins could have depended on their exit interview and after a real full evaluation of everything, which could have happened. And by a full evaluation of everything, I mean Brian Dable sitting down with Joe Shane, Brandon Brown, and John Mara and really going over year-end stuff. I'm sure Joe Shane and Brian Dable talk every single day, and some things were ironed out in advance. But, you left
1: out a name in that.
0: Well, I mean, I just named people. What, Who? Do, what, you Wink? You
1: didn't name Wink in that conversation. I didn't name no, Kafka either. Right, but Kafka's, why would Kafka, why would Kafka have input on the linebacker coach?
0: He wouldn't. He would have input on the exactly. offensive so
1: coaches. I don't care about Kafka, but Wink should be involved in conversations about retaining position coaches that fall under him.
0: But who said that those conversations didn't take place throughout the year? That's what I was saying from the beginning, that this could have been a sticking point for months. They've been fighting for months. It could have been my friend, your friend. They're both bad. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's possible. It's possible.
0: It just... To me, I, I... Everything points to, yeah, they, they they fired this guy just to piss him off. That makes sense to me, to piss him off, because it would piss him off. What doesn't make sense to me is why Brian Dable or Joe Shane care about John Mayer's bank account. I don't think they do. I don't think paying him has anything to do with it. I think firing him has more to do with who can hire him at the end. If that's the argument you want to make, then fine. If we if fire can, this guy, Philly a- could hire him. That that I mean, That's Philly, fair.
1: I don't think that... Gable went rogue on all this. I think he, I think he had conversations with Shane. I think he had conversations with Mara, and saying, "Look, this is not going to work out. You know, if I just straight up fire this guy, what are implications?" And maybe it was brought. I mean, Shane, we think he's a very smart guy. We think he's not just, you know, who looks at the complete big picture, who has every stone unturned. And maybe one of those things he said was, "You know, if you fire him, you know." He can go anywhere, but if he quits, he has to we, we have a bit of a, a lock on him. May, somebody gave him counsel. And again, maybe it's not just for the money. And again, how much are we talking about? What was his contract?
0: Uh, we're not privy million? we're not privy to that info. Ever. Not, not usually. We don't,
1: we don't know that. So I mean what realistically what could it be?
0: I have no idea. Honestly, don't know what because, make, no, managers. because honestly, coaches salaries don't go against the cap. So if you really want somebody, they I mean, you could have situations where one coordinator is making significantly more than the other. Um, and I'm
1: mm-hmm. sure that
0: happens all the time. Like it, when, when not Bill not O'Brien
1: together, I think it makes more sense about the well, I don't want this guy coming back and burning us within the division.
0: Right. Let's that makes it. sense. Get him to quit so that we can say no to who wants to hire him.
1: Yeah, that makes more sense.
0: Um, overall, this year I felt, for all the blustering we just did for like thirty-five minutes about how the coaches don't get along, or you know, we didn't even bring up the fact that Wink Wink's defense did not perform exemplary this year. Um, and w- one of the things I was saying about. Um, you know the outside linebackers coach not doing a good job. For the first half of this year, they struggled to get turnovers and they struggled to get pressure at all. So, mm-hmm. um, that aside, despite all the injuries, beside despite not having Daniel Jones, without Andrew Thomas, I honestly think forget all of that. They still could have won four more games this year the absolute, that they lost in the final minutes and been a 10-win team and went to the playoffs, despite all of that. That's not even saying what I, I think I've said to you before, which is if they had had an average quarterback that stayed healthy from the start of the season to the end, they'd be even better. They would have probably won 11 games, in my opinion. They lost four very close games this year that they should have— They could have won. They should have won in Buffalo. They probably should have beaten the Jets. Um, They could have won two other times. They'd be a 10-win team. Uh, I, I honestly think that this year was a disaster of all the worst events that could happen and it was a true testament to the gathering of coaches. It's a conglomeration of very good coaches, by the way. The defensive assistants, besides the Wilkins twins, are or the brothers, are uh, very, very good. Jerome Henderson's very, very good. Andre Patterson's very, very good. Wink is very good, right? Um, I, and Brian Dable, I think, really jumped into the offense and helped Mike Kafka navigate what was essentially an impossible situation at the very early point in this year. I feel very negatively about what happened between Dable and Wink because it tells me that Dable was difficult to work with, at least in some capacity. But otherwise, coaching this year, I have to think they have done so much to mask what was an impossible situation. And they nearly, I would say that they nearly made a playoff push. Even playing Tommy DeVito for like four games.
1: During the Tommy DeVito run... If you went to watch the game on Fox when they do division leaders, wild card in the hunt, the Giants on the bottom of the sc- on that in the hunt were on that list. We're talking a team that had Tommy DeVito as their quarterback. That I think is all you need to know about how bad this season was and what the potential was for making you know chicken salad out of chicken shit. This team had no business even being anywhere near that board, and I I think that these catastrophic events happen so fast. That Dallas game, besides losing Andrew Thomas, when you lose, when you get hit in the mouth that bad that early in a game where you're all off season, how excited were we all off season? We went to that training camp. We we just couldn't wait for the season to start. We, We we did our preseason thing we thought this team was you know this was a playoff team we weren't sure about are they dallas and philly good but we definitely thought this team was playoff caliber when you get hit in the mouth that badly and then when you lose the most important player on this team you know as important as daniel jones is andrew thomas is the most important person on that offense you lose them that quickly and then everything else happens and then the the the, uh you know the dj stuff and, and everything just goes downhill it is very, very difficult to psychologically dig out of that hole, much less physically play out of it. So this season, to me, is just a giant asterisk. I, I think the Daily News had a, you know, one of their idiot columns yesterday about Joe. It's this is all on Joe Shane and Brian Dable to reverse course on a disaster season. And I, I was, just, I didn't even read the column. I didn't read the article because. That is an idiotic headline. You know, you can't. That's like asking again, you know, the old asking Mrs. Lincoln. Well, do you think the play was good? I mean, it has nothing to do. What if you're ignoring the major problems what happened to this team? This wasn't because they drafted poorly this year. This wasn't because Daniel Jones regressed. This is the fact that Daniel Jones was unavailable. This is because we had, you know, we lost at different points in this season, our left tackle our right tackle one guard. We had a rookie center playing who we feel didn't progress. And we were already rectified that potentially by getting rid of the offensive line coach. You know, we traded one of our, you know, our, our rocks on the defensive line in the middle of the season. We played with rookie cornerbacks. We had injuries back there. We you know all these different things happened. And yet, this team still beat Philly in the last game of the season. So I – this theme that we've been saying all year is that this was like a pause on the rebuild of this team, not a regression, and I I firmly believe that more than ever after the season's over.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm I'm happy that this team didn't quit because, uh, frankly, fans quit. You know what I mean?
1: We didn't go, did we?
0: Well, I mean (laughs) – We we didn't cancel our trip to Buffalo or anything. You know what That's I mean. True. Um, That's true. But but fans, you know, sh- I, I'm not blaming anybody. If you're a casual fan, team's not good. Don't watch. I, I guess. Listen, it.
1: we just two years ago fired a coach mm-hmm. because this team quit,
0: and they were quit, and they were embarrassing. Yes, this was they not. Did
1: despite not try to every, maximize a situation that was a no win situation. They this were team did
0: in in a. In a there was a situation for a stretch of time throughout this year, a large stretch of time, in which they could have been embarrassing, and they really kind of weren't. Um, they, it might have looked bad, but the end results were never really cr- the worst game. I honestly feel like in the, in that stretch of time where they could have been embarrassing, I'm not counting like the first half of the year where GJ was fully. but That Vegas game, that was probably the most embarrassing. The Vegas game, or maybe maybe the second
1: Dallas game
0: where Tommy DeVito started, but even then the
1: Vegas game, the Vegas game, because that was one of those, you know, Daniel Jones goes down, you know, it's serious. And there was
0: no response. There was nothing on backup for that.
1: Whatever you had hope going forward was gone. And that's one of those, it deflates the balloon. Your season is now over and it's happening right in front of your face. And again, you know, perfect situation against us. You know, that was the first game for Antonio Pierce, you know, they're they're playing for that guy. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the coach next year, but it's just that smack to the face that you can't recover from. And so again, but why did that happen? Not because we weren't prepared for that game, not because it had a bad game plan, not because players played poorly. Starting quarterback got hurt. He's out for the year right there.
0: That's pretty much all I've got for this episode. Um it was a long one thank you for staying with us we have a really special one coming at the end of this week Thursday morning we will have our year in review episode where we're going to continue this exact conversation with a special guest so be sure not to miss that one on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify and of course YouTube so tell a friend To uh, follow the Just Giants podcast, we have a whole off-season schedule lined up. Tons of stuff going into free agency, the draft, the coaching search. All of that shit will be covered. We don't usually take weeks off. Maybe in total five weeks from now until the start of the season, there won't be episodes, right? Something like that.
1: Hey, you know, for the last two months, we were looking forward to the off-season to start rebuilding and putting this in the rearview mirror, and guess what? The offseason starts today. We have to look at, assess this. Before we even talk about free agency and the draft, we need to assess this roster. Where are we right now? What are the critical needs? What do we have to do? What do we look at with the salary cap? What are cap cuts that may have to happen? And then we start thinking about, well, who are potential guys to put in here and go from there? So this is, you know, the beauty about football is that it's a 12-month season now. Only five months of it are played on the field, but we're thinking about this all the time. How do we make this team better? What could we do? What do we think we should do? And um, now we get into it. So let's, uh, you know, opening day is only nine months from now, so we better get started.
0: And we will. It's a sickness how much we think about this team. But we will see you all Thursday morning. Be sure to catch that for a year-in-review with our special guest. And then following that, we will be back to our normal once a week, Tuesday morning. Uh, yeah, Tuesday mornings. And we will do playoff recaps and then Giants stuff. So be sure not to miss any of that. We'll see you all Thursday morning. Until then, go Giants. Go Giants.